is Dustin and Natalie Bartholo. Come on, you can put your hands together. It's cool. I know they're not here to receive hey, that everybody. applause. We well, just wanted to give you guys. Back, Dustin. Uh, I know, I know it's, they're not here to receive that applause, but that is one of the missionaries. And so uh, let me explain this real quick. If you are visiting with us, first of all, my name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And one of the things she said in the video was how we're able to be involved in the community because of the faithfulness of so many people that tithe and give their offerings here at Victory Church. And we are. We're able to be in the community. Last month, we talked all about our influence in the schools, from being able to provide school supplies to the kids in this area, to being able to provide lunch for our Rock Springs Middle School teachers. We were able to pray for and provide gift cards to our personal teachers here at Victory Church, as well as uh, the impact that we're making through Empowerment Incorporated. And so last month, we really focused in on sharing with you what we're already doing in our local schools. And over the next few weeks in September, I want to bring your attention to show you the impact we're making outside of the United States and in other countries. That was Dustin and Natalie Barthel, that are our missionaries to Bangladesh, as you heard them say. Uh, and then we're going to continue to talk in the following weeks about Katie Carter, who is our missionary in Costa Rica. I think we have a picture, if I'm correct, of what Dustin was talking about. This is the ministry he was referring to. And, and I, I don't want to mispronounce it. I think he called it Udom's Place, where he said it's a tutoring center for young girls in the capital of Bangladesh with a transformational focus to see each girl reach their full potential and transition, watch this, out of extreme poverty that would have otherwise kept them back. It's a 10-year commitment that focuses on a holistic approach to help each girl transition into adulthood. So both the Bartholos and Katie Carter, as you'll hear about over the next couple weeks, their main ministry is to children. And their main ministry is to young women. And one of the main reasons for that is, first of all, if you can grab them as children, uh, as you know, as the Bible says, train them up in, in, when they're young and it'll, they won't depart from that. And so it's important to kind of grab them as they're young. But beyond that, young ladies are very quickly in other countries uh, taken and put into prostitution and different things to be able to obviously bring in finances and just kind of cast to the side. So it's really important for us to establish ministries in these third world countries that get these young ladies at early ages, protect them, and then raise them up in biblical teaching. And so it's important for you to know that, especially those of you that support Victory every month in your tithes and offerings, that we support the Bartholos and we support Katie Carter monthly so that they can be in those countries doing this ministry. So while we're working our nine to five jobs and sort of trying to survive here in uh, Tennessee, they are making an impact in these countries, and they're doing it because of you. And I want you to understand that over the next couple of weeks, we're going to bring attention to that. Uh, Katie's going to shoot us a video and talk to us specifically. But I want you to understand that when you are giving your finances to Victory, not only are we providing great ministry every week to people that call Victory home, but we are impacting lives globally. Starting next week, we'll be putting something in your hand uh, that on one side of it, we kind of call it our annual report. It'll show you what we've seen happen in people's lives in our missions, the four G's, Grow, God, Give, and Go, since we moved into our building in, the, uh, in April. And so you'll be able to see where some of the finances are going. You'll be able to see some of the impact and change lives, as well as the community impact. And so once again, thank you. Thank you so much to every person that gives financially to Victory because what we're able to do. If you're visiting or you've been coming for a while and you say, man, I want to get involved. I believe in what Victory is doing. As Darla said in the video, you can do that three ways. Uh, first, you can do it through texting. There's a number that we have right here on the screen. You can do it through our website or you can do it as you leave with the bucket. We don't pass the buckets here during service, but as you're walking out, you'll be able to do that. And so, again, thank you 
to everybody who supports us. And I'm excited to hear and continue to hear what God's doing through Victory Church. Amen? As you heard Zoe say, you got some exciting things coming up from the 5K race. I'm going to be talking more about that this month and the, the purpose behind the, the, the meaning, the vision statement behind the 5K, as well as the trunk retreat, which we'll get more details as we get closer and closer. But here's the real question. Are you ready for the word? There we go. All right. Uh, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 22. As you're turning there, let me say this. Uh, we just came out of our At The Movie series. Did y'all enjoy that? Did you enjoy At The Movies? I know it's Labor Day weekend, but, but we're excited about today because we're, we're beginning a brand new series called Living Room Leaders. Now, this series has been on my heart since 2020. Uh, I already started kind of jotting it down with the original idea to preach it in 2020. And then, as you know, something, something happened during 2020 and everything kind of got flipped upside down. Um, and, and I did preach a kind of a version of it about the family, but I never really got into what I really wanted to talk about which is this concept of leadership and the idea that you and I are leaders and how to be great leaders, how to be godly, godly leaders. And the best way to do that is to follow the life of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to kind of start that today. Um, in, in this intro, we're going to hop back and forth between some scriptures. But starting next week, as we get into the actual principles, what we'll do is we'll take a certain um, area of scripture of Jesus's life and we'll really start digging into that and pulling it off. But today... We're going to jump from Luke, we're going to jump into some Proverbs, and then we're going to jump into Acts. So just kind of bear with me today as we set the foundation for this series. So I'm going to read a little bit of Luke chapter 22, and then we're going to get into this. Let me give you some context. Jesus and the disciples have just finished the Last Supper. Uh, you may be familiar with that. That's the painting where they are setting, and Jesus kind of introduces the concept of communion. And there's this whole Last Supper deer because we're getting really close to Jesus being crucified for our sins, that time's coming. And so he's had some time trying to disciple these disciples into being leaders. And then I want you to see what happens. Luke chapter 22, verse 24 starts like this. A dispute also arose among them, being the disciples, watch this, as to which of them was going to be regarded as the greatest. I, I think this is the most human verse in the Bible and it's pretty uh, ironic when it comes to leadership that Jesus is building up these world-changing leaders, and here they are arguing about which one of them is the greatest. I just think that's hilarious. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. So what Jesus is doing is he's stating the already set up leadership structure that they're familiar with. So he hears them arguing over who's going to be the greatest, and he says, hey, listen, here's the leadership structure that you're used to. He says, but this is not going to be the way with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as the one who serves. For who is greater? Who's greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? The one who's being served? Or the one who's doing the serving. He says, is it not the one who reclines at the table? In other words, in your culture, in your leadership structure, don't you believe that the greatest leader is the one who sits on top of the pyramid? Don't you in your system believe that the greatest leader is the one who sits back with the whip and cracks the whip? Isn't that what you believe? He says, but that's not the way I lead. He says, it is not the one who reclines at the table. Watch this. He says, but I am among you. As the one who serves. Here's what Jesus is saying. He says, not only have I arrived to flip 
the religious concept on its head. But I've also arrived to redefine for you what it looks like to be a leader. I'm here to redefine leadership. And that's what Jesus does, and that's what we're going to look at over the, past, over the next eight weeks. So today I want to preach to you, though, from this idea. Calling all leaders. Calling all leaders. This, this leadership concept, this idea of leadership, is still something that we dispute even today. We're constantly hearing what leadership is and what leadership should look like and how we should follow a leader and all these different things. But here's what I want you to understand, and this is a foundational principle for this series. Every one of us are leaders. Every one of you. It doesn't matter your age, young or old. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter what you, look, you are a leader. Some of us, we lead at our job. We're in a position that puts us in leadership. Some of us, we lead at home. Whether we are leading our spouse, men, we're supposed to be spiritual leaders of our household. Or maybe we have children and we're parenting and leading them. Some of us are leaders in our school. Some of us are leaders in our circle of friends. Some of us are leaders in volunteer and outreach concepts and in nonprofits. The point is we are all leaders. But I want to go a little deeper for you. First of all, we're all leaders because we're Christians. We are leaders as Christ followers because when we walk into the room, we represent Jesus Christ. And so therefore, we are leaders. But I'm going to go even further. You're a leader simply because no matter where you are and what you're doing, somebody's watching you. Everything you do, you lead. When you're on I-24 and somebody cuts you off, how you respond, <laughs> bless them. How you respond is leadership. When you go shopping at the grocery store at, at the Kroger's, right, and you're coming out with your grocery cart and you put your groceries in your car, what you do with that grocery cart is leadership. If you leave that cart in the parking space that's going to mess up somebody else, that's a no-no in leadership. But to every person in this room that takes that cart and walks way too far and puts that cart back, you are operating as a leader. You're a leader. Parents, the way you act when you go to a parent-teacher conference, the way you act when you go to a kid's play, we are constantly being watched as leaders. And what I really want to show you is that sometimes we think we have to be put into a place or a position to lead. And we'll say things like this, well, I'm not a leader. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't do that. I'm not a leader. Yes, you are a leader. And so ultimately, the question is not if you're a leader or if you can lead. The question is, will you lead? When the opportunity arises, will you lead? But here's what I want you to understand. Calling someone a leader can actually be easier than defining what a leader is. So, so just to call someone a leader is a lot easier than to actually define what they do. Sometimes we just use that term to give somebody a sense of worth. Oh, you need to lead something. Yeah, but what do I do? Like I'm a leader, but what am I leading? You know what I mean? Matter of fact, in our culture today, watch this. There are 6,000 definitions of leaders, <laughs> of what a leader is. Six 
thousand. That means we took the word leader and we developed off of one word 6,000 definitions of what that's supposed to mean. And then on top of that, there are a thousand different actions on what a leader should do. So over 6,000 definitions, over a thousand attributes and actions. So here's the truth. You ready? As Americans, we have no idea what leadership really is. Unless they are above us in the chart, we don't really know what a leader is. But in our culture today, and I think you'll agree with me on this, leadership has become sexy. It's sexy to talk about leadership. Everybody has a podcast about leadership. Everybody's got the five steps and the 10 steps and the 20 steps to being a leader. There are right now on the shelves over 15,000 books on leadership. If you go into the Barnes and Noble or whatever the bookstore is that you go to, you can go to the leadership section. And if you want to know leadership about parenting, about marriage, about finances, about the church world, about politics, about whatever it is you do for a living, you can find a leadership book about it. But here's what I want to tell you, that the greatest leadership book is still the Bible. The greatest leader of all time, the gloat. Catch that? Greatest leaders of all time. I worked way too hard for y'all to not appreciate that. (laughs) The gloat is Jesus. No one has ever accomplished what Jesus accomplished. No one has ever started a movement without monetary gain and been able to keep a movement going with over thousands of years that turned the world upside down. The greatest leader is still Jesus. The greatest leadership manual is still the Bible. And it's important for us to return to those things and know that. While every person has leadership potential, the height of that potential hinges on what process we use to maximize it. Now, I believe in leader books. I read them all the time. I believe in leadership podcasts. I listen to them all the time. And I would encourage you to do so as well. But we cannot neglect the Bible. We cannot neglect Jesus Christ. We cannot neglect what we know about Scripture and what Scripture teaches us about being leaders. Because according to the Bible, listen to me, believers, we are to be set apart. We are to be different. We are to turn the world upside down. Not because of who we are, but because of who we know. Because of Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be. According to a book that I recently read called Empowering Leaders, they did a recent survey and 86% of those respondents, watch this, said that we are in a leadership crisis. That in our culture today, we have more needs than we have leaders to meet those needs. If you have been, if you are part of a school system, you would say, Amen, right? We don't have enough teachers for our students. If you've been to a restaurant recently, you would say, amen. We don't have enough people leading the restaurant for us to get our food on time. Like we're just in this, I don't know if it's a 2020 issue or whatever, but we are in a season of life where we do not have enough leadership. Now listen to me. I do not mean we don't have enough bosses because a boss and a leader are different. We have bosses. What we are missing today are people who believe that they can make a difference and people who are ready to lead. So over the next few weeks, eight to be exact, so don't miss one. This is the, this is the series. I know I say this, and yet sometimes y'all don't listen to me. This is the series. You need to bring a book and a pen 
You need to be ready to write some stuff down because these are principles that if you'll keep, will guarantee you, guarantee to improve your parenting skills, your job skills, your marriage skills, because they are great biblical principles. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at Jesus and we're going to talk about leadership. We're going to cover things like how to carry culture, what it means to be carrying culture, what it means to be a servant leader. Uh, we're going to talk about the reality of leadership pains. And then next week, I'm so excited about next week, we're going to talk about how to lead ourselves. Because before we can lead anybody, we need to learn how to lead ourselves, right? But today, today I felt like in this introduction, I needed to answer two questions for you. Before we can go any further on this idea of leadership, I need to make sure you are clear the answer to two questions. Question number one is this, who qualifies as a leader? Because the temptation right now would be for the devil to be telling you, you're not a leader. And so you've already kind of blocked me out because in your mind, this is not for you because this is what I do. I'm just in this, I'm too young. I'm, you know, whatever. I don't have the education, whatever the situation is. So you're in this mindset that you are not a leader. So let's talk about it. Who qualifies as a leader? Let's go first to the book of Proverbs. I want you to see this. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 4, watch this. It says, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Here's what the Bible's telling us. When we have no leadership, people fail. But when we have an abundance of leadership, there is safety and success. Now understand what I mean by the difference in bosses and leadership. This is not saying when we have an abundance of bosses, because we all know we can only handle one boss, right? We don't need an abundance of bosses. What the Bible's telling us is we need an abundance of of leaders. We need people who understand who they are called to be and what they're able to be because when we have no leadership, people will fall. You know that. You can take a football team. You can take politics. You can take your career. You can take the school system. When there is no leader, people fall, right? Now, sometimes it's a, it's a debate on whether it's a good leader or a bad leader, but without any leader, it's guaranteed to fall. But when we have an abundance of leadership, it succeeds. John Maxwell, one of the greatest leader writers of this day, he says this, everything rises and falls on leadership. Whether it's going good or whether it's going bad, it's going to really be on the shoulders of the leader. And we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. But meanwhile, while we're lacking leadership, here, here's what's going on. We, we are in a time where we need leaders more than ever, and we're lacking leadership. And here's why. You ready? Because leadership is hard. Leadership's not easy. This concept, if you've ever, if any of you have ever been in a situation where you went from not leading to leading, all of a sudden your eyes were open and you realized that leadership is hard. It, it, it's not easy. It's not for the faint at heart. It's difficult. So anytime we want to raise leadership in ourselves or in, our other, or in others, it's time-consuming. And here's why. You have to fix messes, right? Any leaders in the building, you got to fix messes. You got to settle squabbles. I like that word. <laughs> you got to learn through failure. You got to fail before you can learn. And here's one of my favorite. You got to wait for character to catch up to calling. I think Jesus was the best at this. 
If you'll just pick a gospel, I would encourage you to pick the book of John. This is going to be where we're in for majority of the series. And you just start reading from John 1-1 all the way to the end of John. You are going to be able to watch firsthand the relationship between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus is tasked with 12. You all know that Judas ends up betraying him and dying, and then eventually he's replaced. So there's really most of the material is about the other 11. But so let's just say 11 for now. Jesus, you have all of this material of interaction with his 11 disciples. He has three and a half years to change the world. And in the meanwhile, he has to build up 11 leaders, watch this, who after Jesus dies, resurrects, and ascends to heaven, they will literally lead a movement. You and I are meeting in this room today because the disciples moved forward on the Christian movement, all right? Jesus is building leaders, and if you study the book of John, here's what you arrive at. The disciples are stupid. They are so dumb. There, there's so many coming. And look, look, I'm going to talk about myself in a minute, so don't feel like I'm mean, going to get to heaven. I'm not going to tell Peter to his face he's dumb, but, but Peter knows it. Because there are so many moments, and I'm going to talk about these in one of the later messages, but there's one time where the disciples are talking to Jesus, and Jesus starts talking about the yeast of the Pharisees. And what he's talking about is this attitude and this Pharisaical spirit. And the disciples are like, did you forget the bread? Like, like they think he's talking about bread. Like, that's where they are mentally. There's one time where Jesus is going to pray, and they are all sound asleep. Jesus shows back up to the garden, and all of them are snoring, right? And they're supposed to be praying. You're all very familiar with Peter when uh, they come to get Jesus, and Peter pulls out his sword and cuts off a guy's ear. There's so many moments, y'all, where Jesus is interacting with the disciples, and it's just plain stupidity. I mean, even the opening of what we read in Luke, where they're coming from the, the Last Supper, where Jesus is talking about how my body will be broken for you, and they're walking, and they start having this conversation. Hey, which one of us do you think is going to be greater? I'm going to be greater. Like, this is Jesus in front of you, Jesus Christ. And you're like, I think I'll be greater. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, it's, it's us, right? Let's be honest. It's us. Like, leadership is messy. And as I've been studying that, I started thinking about all the people who had to deal with me. As I was moving into this realm of leadership, I, I thought about first my parents and just what they had to put up with, you know, in, in my zero to, I don't know, mid-20s season where they were forming and shaping me and what an idiot I was, you know what I mean? Just the, the dumb things. And then I started thinking about Pastor Ron and Kelly and Pastor Matt and Shannon and Pastor Sharon and all these different people who were helping shape me as I became who I was and, and still shaping me today. But I, I remember this one story. Um, I was on staff at our church in Memphis, and we had four buildings on our campus. We had a main sanctuary that seated about 2,500 people. We had a gymnasium and a couple other buildings. It was a huge facility. And I was on staff, and I had a key to all the buildings, naturally. And I got to talking to some friends one night, and we had this great idea to have this, like, massive Nerf battle. You know what I mean? Like Nerf guns, where you shoot Nerf guns. So we all went out, and we bought Nerf guns. We bought these things that you strap around you, that you put the bullets in, and you put, like, the clips in. Like, we were serious. And, I mean, we showed up. We had, like, pistols, you know, in case you ran out of bullets. We had, like, these things that pretended to be grenades. Like, it was, it was stupid. And, and we decided to do it across the entire facility of the church. Saturday night, before the Sunday morning experience, the lady had already cleaned the auditorium, and we're running through with Nerf guns, just like, do, 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 like Nerf guns everywhere. 
And so we played till like, you know, two or three in the morning. And of course, I had to be back at church at like seven because when you're young and dumb, you don't value sleep. Now I'm in bed at 8.30 and I ain't mad about it. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Where are my old folks at? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. All right, all right. So, so this happens. We do this. Monday morning, I walk into my, into, well, we had, we had a mail room. We all had mailboxes. And I walked into the mail room. And in my mail room, there's one Nerf dart standing up in my mailbox like that. It's not good. It's not a good sign. And so I took that, threw it in the trash, and thought, oh, goodness, I hope, you know, I hope it was like, you know, one of, the, one of the young interns or something that saw it, and they knew what we were doing, and they just were, you know, felt sorry for me. And so a few hours go by, I've been working, and I get a phone call from our executive pastor, Sharon Hurley, and she says, hey, can you come by my office so we can meet, you know, for a little bit? And I said, sure, I'll be there. So the time comes, and I come in, and I sit down in our office, and I'm like, hey, Pastor Sharon, you know, what can I do for you? And she slides these pictures to me just across her desk, and they're, they're turned over. I'm like, what's that? And I grab it, and I turn it up, and it's security camera footage. It's just pictures of us running through hallways, and we got guns strapped to our back and all that. And she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> you know having fun, enjoying life. And, and here's what she said. I love her. If, she, if she's listening, I love her so much. She said, do me a favor from now on. Do it in the youth building. And I was like, all right, I can do that. You know what I mean? Like, just stay out of the main auditorium. But I'm like, well, you know, here they are trying to build this leader, and I'm having a nerf war at 2 in the morning before church service. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, leadership is messy. So, so here's my question for you. Ready? Is a leader born or is a leader built? Is a leader born or is a leader built? What if I told you the answer was yes? What if I told you that leaders are born, that there are people who are just naturally born leaders? It's just something about them. It's just in their DNA. They have, as Craig Groeschel would say, the it. They, ju they just have it. They're a leader. But leadership can also be learned. Some of the greatest leaders were not born leaders. Leadership can be learned. It's a process for you and I where if we make it a point, we can actually learn to be a leader. And here's why. You ready? Leadership is not defined by position, title, or ranking. Hear me again. Leadership is not defined by title, by position, or ranking. Culture teaches us that we're not a leader until somebody calls us by a title that means leader. You are a leader despite your title. You're a leader. Listen, it's a concept of you being able to be a leader before you're ever in charge. You can be a leader. I'm going to really dig on this through this series, but do you know how much leadership Jesus did without a title? You say, well, he was the son of God. They didn't think he was. He didn't have a title, but he was walking in doing so many great leadership aspects because leadership is not a title. It's not a position. It's not a ranking. Leadership is influence. Your ability to influence other people is leadership. Uh, Veda, my oldest, 12 years old, she's serving in V-Kids today. Shout out, Veda. Oh, no, she's right there. My bad. I didn't even see you. I thought you were serving in V-Kids today. Welcome, boo. Um, she's such an incredible, incredible kid. Most of the time she's serving, so it's so cool that she's in here today. Um, she loves me, don't you? I'm your favorite, uh, favorite dad? Okay. Um, when she was five years old, we were in Heber Springs, Arkansas. My in-laws, Darla's parents, have a, had, had a house on the lake. And we were in Heber Springs, Arkansas for what they call the cardboard boat races. I don't know if y'all have ever heard about this, but people build boats out of cardboard and they race them because they have nothing else better to do. All right, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But it, I wanted to watch it. And so we're out there. 
And we go over to the land area where everybody's, you know, they got food trucks and, and people are grilling out and all this and getting ready to watch it. And there's a playground. And so Veda is five years old, maybe, maybe six. I take her over to the playground. She's playing. There's about six other kids on the playground, and they're all double her age, 10, 11, 12 years old. And majority of them are boys. And they're all playing. And she walks in, little five-year-old, six-year-old girl, and she's getting ready to play. And something's happening with the cardboard boat races. So I turn around to watch them. You know, I'm checking on her like a good dad, you know, every 10 or 20 minutes. And, um, and, I'm, and I'm watching the boat race. And at one point, I turn back over, and she has got every kid operating in a game that she's leading. So she's five years old, and she's got these 11-year-old boys doing this game, and they're looking to her like, do I do, I do it this way? Do we go there? And she's, destru- she's instructing them and leading them. And I'm like, go on, girl. You know what I'm talking about? Like, lead them boys. Like, lead them all. I hate boys. Lead them all. I'm just kidding. Love your boys, but not other boys. And so... But my, my point was this, that at five years old, she's leading people, but she doesn't have a title. She didn't have a ranking. She had influence. She had this concept that she could influence people, and she wasn't old enough yet to know that she didn't have a title to do it. Because what leadership really is, is influence. And can I teach you something real quick? You don't need a title to influence people. You can be an influencer right now. You don't need a position to influence people. Leadership influence, simply put, watch this, is the ability to affect others and change their behavior in a given direction. That's what leadership influence is. So here we are, 2022. And our culture, more than ever, is looking to people, looking to everyone and anyone for influence. Our culture is yearning for leadership. So much that people will watch videos of other people telling them how to do stuff that they can do because we want leadership. So much that we can get enthralled with TikTok videos and what other people are doing while we sit on the couch because we just want to be led. People want to be led. And we have enough leaders, they're just not leading. And we have to get into a place where we understand that we can influence people and we need to do it. But listen to me, we don't just need leaders, we need Christ-led leaders. As I'm saying this, anybody could be motivated to walk out of here and go, oh, I can influence people. But what am I using to influence them? Better yet, how am I influencing them? And I'm telling you that in our culture today, we don't just need leadership. We need Christ-led leadership. Because we can just put people in a position. Uh, a couple of Sunday nights ago, Brian and I were going to Bojangles. We call it Bahangales. A friend of mine calls it Bahangales. We were going to Bojangles to get some, some dinner. And we're in Bojangles. Well, you should never go to Bojangles to get dinner, right? It's just, it's just, it's a, it's a chore. And so we're in Bojangles, and I ordered a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit because it was Sunday night, and I needed it. Okay. And so we're ordering it, and I watched one of the employees look at the other employee, and here's what he said. He said, "Where's the bacon? I'm watching this in front of me. These are the leaders of the Bojangle Institute." Okay. And the guy says, "Where's the bacon?" And the other guy says, "You got to cook it." And the guy's response is, "How?" I looked at Brian and I said, we better get out of here right now. Like, I don't know how they're going to make our bacon, but it ain't, it ain't going to go well. 
We can just put people in leadership and say, did it, right? But what we need is Christ-led leaders. And here's your second question. Your first question is, what, who qualifies as a leader? It's anybody who's ready to give influence. Here's the second question. Why do we need Christ-led leaders? Why, Troy? I understand I'm in church. Some of you might come to church just because it's the thing to do. Maybe you come to church because your parents bring you, your friends bring you. Maybe you come to church because you love church, whatever the reason. But let's be honest, for a second, in a culture right now where, where we're not even really sure what a Christian is, right? We're always kind of back and forth. Why do we need Christian-led leaders? Why would we need that? First, let's go back to Proverbs for a second. Watch this. Proverbs again, verse, uh, chapter 29, verse 2. When the godly are in authority, the people what? Rejoice. But when the wicked are in power, they what? Groan. When, when godly people are in authority, people rejoice. But when ungodly people are in authority, people groan. Why is that? Because there is something about godly leadership. And the Bible's trying to let you know. That the best thing for unsaved people, the best thing for saved people, the best thing for our culture is for godly people to lead. The best thing for your job is for you to lead because you're godly. The best thing for your home is for you to lead because you're godly. The best thing for your circle group. Look, we all got friends that need Jesus. Amen? Some of mine are here right now. <laughs> they direct, I'm not going to go there. Okay. Everybody needs to be led, but they need to be led by some of us because we are Christ-led. Let me give a better definition. You ready? A Christ-led leader is someone who has a reason to believe that there is a better tomorrow. And therefore... They influence other people with that same hope. Why do we need Christ-led leaders? Because Christ-led leaders lead with a belief that there is a better tomorrow. Christ-led leaders lead with the belief that it's not about them, but it's about God. That it's not about my current circumstance, but it's about the fact that according to Scripture, Christ will finish the good work that he started. It's the understanding that Jesus is on the throne. He is my leader. He is my director. So watch this. No matter what it is we're going through, no matter what it is we're facing, no matter where our financial situation is, there is a better tomorrow because the, God is the author of my life. And we need leaders that think that way. We need leaders that when everything else is going upside down, there's one leader going, well, hold on. Here's what I know about God. That what he started, he'll finish. That he started a good work in me. And he'll see it to fruition. He may not do it the way we want him to do it, but he's faithful to do it. So every family and every organization and every business is different when there's a Christ-led leader. When, when your kids are going through something and you're a Christ-led leader, you're helping your kids understand there's a better tomorrow. There's a hope. When you're in business, things aren't going the way they think they should go, but, but you have this hope 
for tomorrow because you're a Christ-led leader. A leader that's leaning on God, I love this, understands that everything they step into has already been seen and spoken to by God. A Christ-led leader doesn't get overwhelmed by surprises. I, I recently had a friend pay for me to do the, the Gallup test, the leadership Gallup test, and the results came in, and I was telling my wife about them last night, and one of the results about me says that, I'm going I'm to paraphrase, it says the best thing to keep me happy is to keep everything the way it is. <laughs> like, don't shake anything up. Don't make. I got in the worst career I could ever get in to be somebody who likes it to just stay calm. You know what I mean? And yet I, I can't stand it. it. It's crazy for me. So how do I exist? How could I ever leave? Because it's not me. It's Jesus. Because I'm Christ-led. And no matter what I go through, I know that Christ has already seen it and spoke to it. I, I was recently watching this information that, that went through a bunch of different studies and, and statistics and uh, what do you call them? You know, just, just, just uh, studies. I can't think of the word right now. But it was breaking down the difference in a Christian and a non-Christian. Because here would be the question that you and I could ask. What's the big deal of a Christian leader? Because we all know Christian leaders that aren't necessarily any different than a non-Christian leader, right? So, so why, why would there be any real passion for any of us to start moving in leadership just because we follow Christ? Well, let me, let me just give you some examples. First, let me set this up for you. These studies that were done, the first study that was done was the, the Christianity population in the United States. So in the United States, 63% of people in the United States of America identify as Christians. 63% of the people in America, the United States of America, identify as Christians. 45% of that 63% say that they pray daily. Okay, so 63% so say they're Christians. 45% of that 63% say they pray daily. And then three out of those 10 say they attend church once or twice a month. Now, first of all, you got to understand there's a point where we are just churchgoers and there's a point where we are Christ-led. You know what I mean? There's a point where we are praying. There's a point where we are reading scripture. There's a point where we're following Jesus and serving Jesus and asking Jesus to direct and lead our lives. So everything I'm about to show you is really more founded on those that are praying and attending church regularly and, and different things. So watch some of these statistics. You ready? Right off the bat, Christians are more than twice uh, Christians are more than twice likely to adopt. Okay, so just when it comes to adoption, the average person, 2% of people adopt, 5% of Christians adopt. So right off the bat, if you are Christ-led, you are more frequent to adopt. Okay? Let's do some studies about some children recently in public schools that scripture reading plus church or small groups improves their mental health. When it comes to your child, scripture reading and small groups or church gathering uh, improves their mental health. Study on kids in public schools. Watch this. The research finds that religion protected kids from depression. That from not going to church to attending church once a week decreased the possibility of being depressed by 20%. 
just from going to church to not going to church. Depression decreased by 20%. When it comes to healthcare workers, we have some healthcare workers in our church. Watch this. Research showed that women who attend weekly worship services had 68% lower risk of death from despair. When it came to the men, 33% lower risk. These are healthcare workers. Watch this. Children raised in spiritual environments were 12% less likely to have depression, 33% less likely to use drugs. Watch this. Those who prayed frequently were 30% less likely to have sex at a young age, 40% less likely to get an STD, 38% more likely to serve in their community, and 47% more likely to have a sense of purpose. Those who attend church were 18% more likely to report high levels of happiness, and I thought this was powerful, and 87% more likely to show forgiveness. Weekly attendance to church reduces mortality by 20 to 30% in a 15-year period. So for someone just attending church over a 15-year period, the, the chance of mort the mortality rate goes down 20, 30%. Religious Americans, I thought this was interesting, are more generous neighbors, better citizens, and vast majority of volunteering is done by religious people. <laughs> this is cool. Religious people give four times as much to charitable contributions than non-religious people. Now, here's what's really important, because people will say, oh, religious people just give to their own religious stuff. They don't give to actual secular things. Watch this. Religious people, by study, give more to secular things than secular people. Christians give more to secular stuff than secular people because they're naturally more generous. And then it ended with this overall assessment. Frequent churchgoers are more likely to give excess change back, more likely to donate blood, more likely to help someone with housework, spend time with someone who is down, let someone skip in line, offer a seat to a stranger, carry a stranger's belongings, give directions to a stranger, or watch their dog. Now, why would I give you all those statistics? I'm not normally a statistic giver, but here's the reason. This is why we need Christ-led leaders. Because those who are Christ-led, they're healthier. Their mental health is different. Their home life is different. Their generosity is different. But please don't hear what I'm not saying. The point of this is not that religious people are better than secular people. That's not what I'm saying. There are definitely uh, hypocrites and hateful people in the church too, right? So don't hear me saying that religious people are better than secular people. It's not what I'm saying. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. The point is being with Jesus is better. When we are with Jesus, we're better. We need people who are following Jesus to lead. It's just natural that when somebody is coming to church and reading their Bible and praying, there's going to be something happening inside of them. If they've really grasped the grace of Jesus, they are more generous, they are more loving, they are more hopeful. So in a culture where everything seems to be about worry, what we need is Christ-led leaders. Not because you're perfect not because you're any better necessarily, but because you are being led by Christ. Now, I know that's real simple, but does that make sense? Like why it's important for us who are following Jesus 
who are reading the Bible, praying, why it's important for us to lead. Right off the bat, if you started to go, well, I'm not a leader. I just told you, you are a leader because leadership is influence. Well, why does, why does, it need, why, why does the world need me to lead? Because you are following Jesus. And when you lead, that means Jesus is leading. Now again, right now you could be going, I just, just don't know about that. Like that's a, that's a high ask for me. I don't know that I can do what you're asking me to do. I don't know that I'm going to be able to lead. Look at me, all these kind of things. I just, can I just, can I read one, one verse to you for a second? And if there was a verse that I'm going to send you out on today to stand on, it's this verse. It's in Acts. The disciples are beginning to turn the world upside down through the message of Jesus Christ. Watch this. It says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They were amazed when they saw these dynamic leaders, Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They were impressed by them, but they were ordinary. They were impressed by them, but there was nothing really special about them. But then watch what they say. But they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Being a leader means being with Jesus. That's all it is. It's what our culture needs. It needs people that are being with Jesus to be out influencing other things. You know what I mean? Now listen, over the next eight weeks, I'm going to do my best through Scripture to train you how to be a leader. But you got to catch the importance of why you need to be one. I'm going to put in your hands opportunities for you to be able to lead more here at Victory. But you've got to be able to understand why you need to lead. Your workplace, it needs Jesus. Your family, they need Jesus. Your circle of friends, your school, they need Jesus. And for some of those circles, you're the only person that they know that can bring Jesus into that circle. And so we have to lead. It's time to lead like Christ. I don't know how to. Just be with Jesus. There's never really this moment where the disciples go from being stupid, like I said, to being like, the, there's never just like overnight moment. There's never just this switch where all of a sudden they were trained and ready. They were just walking with Jesus. And all of a sudden Jesus said, I got to go. And they said, well, what do we do? And he said, keep doing what you've been doing. But it's good that I go. Because now not only can I be with you, but I can be with every leader from this point forward. Do me a favor, stand with me for a moment. I want to pray over you this morning. This is 
Like I said, this is the introduction message into the series. But I think it's important for you to leave out of this place today feeling like you're called to be a leader. Understanding what a leader is, somebody who's influencing other people, and understanding that the reason we need you is because we need Christ-led leaders. I was doing a wedding a couple weeks, weekends ago, and I was obviously the officiant of the wedding, and they had paid for this facility, big old facility with an older couple that ran the facility, and when you pay for something like that, they do everything. They do all the sound checks, they do all the chair setup, they, they do everything. So I was completely aware that my responsibility on that day was to officiate the wedding, and that's it. When the wedding starts, I'd officiate. I told the couple, I said, when the wedding starts, I got it. When it's over, I'm out. Like, that's my responsibility. I'll handle my responsibility. So darling and I got there about an hour and a half early, and there was a lot of things that weren't done. At one point, somebody wanted to play the music for the, for the actual ceremony. And we needed the music to be tested, and we needed the music to be playing, but nobody was taking it. It was just like the phone was just sitting there. Everybody was talking about it like it's somehow this phone's going to get up on its own and walk over there and plug itself in. And I'm looking around the room, and I'm like, I'll do it. If, if nobody, I said, here, give me the phone. So he gave me the phone. I walked out. I plugged the phone in. I did the sound check. I looked at the guy that ran the facility. I said, can you give me a mic check? And he's like, give me time. And I'm like, it's 10 minutes till the wedding starts. Give you time? And I'm doing all this stuff, right? I'm just doing it all. And I get back there, and I grab the guy who's about to get married, and I said, hey, we're good. I got sweat rolling down my back. I'm so stressed. I'm like, we're good. We're good. It wasn't my job, but I've done enough weddings that I knew what I was doing, right? So in a time where nobody wanted to step up, I figured I'd step up and do it because I knew something that other people didn't know. Why? Why is now the time for Christ-led leaders to lead? Because we know something that other people don't know. The hope of Jesus Christ, the grace, salvation through his death and resurrection, the fact that he is soon coming again. You know that. And you're about to walk out these doors into a culture of everybody everybody saying what needs to be done, but nobody wanting to do it. And what we can't do is fade back and go, well, it's not my job. You may not have the skill for it, but you got the Savior for it. So step up and do it. I'm not ready. Nobody's ever ready. You're never ready. But you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. So you walk out and you lead. You lead. Not in your own efforts, but in Jesus Christ who is in you. Father, I pray right now for every person in this room that as we get ready to embark on this series, as we get ready to train ourselves on what it means to look like Jesus and to lead like Jesus, as we look into ourselves, 
as we start to look into all of the attributes that come with leadership, my prayer right now is that every person in this room would understand the need, the need for Christ-led leaders. That everyone in this room is made righteous in Jesus Christ. And that they would walk out these doors ready to lead because they know that you are leading through them. I pray right now for moms and dads who think they don't have what it takes that they would understand that, Father, you are the one that chose to give them those children so you know that they can do it. They just need to lean on you. I'm praying right now for the boss who's trying to lead his company through a season of just complete chaos, that he would just lean on you. I'm praying right now for the young person who's in school and everywhere they turn, it's drama, it's negativity, it's issue. All they need to do is lean on you. Every person in this room is a leader. But we just need to learn to lean on you as we lead. I don't know how to pray it any harder, Father. I don't know how to preach it any, any harder, any more passionate. I just I want us all to be able to grasp it and understand it, that you have called us and appointed us for a time like this. You've given us our marriage, our kids, our job, our influence for a time like this to influence people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So more than ever, let us lead. Let us walk out of here in the power and the anointing and the calling of Jesus Christ to be the influence of the gospel, to be a messenger of grace. Add your super to our natural, Father. Do what only you can do through us. Can we just take a moment and worship? Can we just take a moment and kind of refocus ourselves for a second? Do me a favor. As we bring this to a close and we begin to sing, will you ask God specifically for what you've been called to lead? Would you ask God specifically this morning about your children, about your marriage, about your job, about your nonprofit, about your outreach, about your circle of friends, about your school, wherever it is that God has placed you to lead. Right now, pray, God, I need you. I need you to help me lead. I need you to help me lead my kids. I need you to help me lead my spouse. I need you to help me lead in my job. I need you to help me lead my circle of friends. I need your help to help me lead. Oh, I need you, Jesus. Father, I'm in a room right now with people who look like they've been with you, Jesus. Give them anointing. Give them calling. Give them purpose. Give them strength. Send them out of this room to leave, Father. We praise you.